0: Paul Isham by Anna Catherine Green, read for LibriVox.org by K Hand. When first Paul Isham crossed the fields to woo sweet Gladys Darrell in her humble home, Twas deemed the veriest marvel of the year by all our country gossips. True, said they, she has some beauty, is not quite devoid of grace in speech and bearing, is both young and gentle-tempered. But despite all this, a match unworthy of his name and wealth, his varied learning, and a culture won by years of foreign travel. He it was who built the sumptuous mansion which you see rise in the vale below us. There in state, as lonely as me tis cheerful now, he lived on his return from o'er the seas. Respected courted somewhat but unmoved by woman's smile from his accustomed mien of proud composure. Till his glances fell on pretty gladys where she stood one day amid her fellows as a wilding rose discovered in a garden draws the gaze and seems in its meek loveliness more fair than all its prouder sisters so to him she seemed the choicest blossom of them all a treasure past computing for a year he wooed her then as doth the strong man woo his last and dearest blessing from the fates and at the year's end won her then to him returned the morning freshness of his youth hope and the joy of life she was to him a breath of spring across the winter rhyme and in her beauty he was wont to see something akin to all that sweetest is in nature's handiwork when from the snow the crocus blossoms and the earth beguiled yields up her hoarded treasures to the sun and all mankind rejoices but of late he had perceived a certain change in her the bud which gazes fearless on the sky droops as its being riches so with her across whose girlish merriment had crept the hush of feeling and the calm of thought less often rang the songs that once had seemed surcharged with laughter like the voice of brooks but if by chance they fell upon the ear they lingered there like waves which vainly seek to utter all the story of the sea and die in music with the tale untold Less frequent shone the smile upon her lips, but when it came, "'Twas sweeter than before, as the lone ray that wanders through a glen, Suggesting beauties it but half reveals, is lovelier than the sunshine on the lea. And when Paul Isham saw all this he said, "'The summer grows upon my darling's heart, ripening her woman's nature. "'June was here, and in a month "'Twas thought the marriage-peal "'would ring from Benton church-bells in the house beyond the maples there was heard at times unwanted sounds as though its generous lord was making preparation for his bride and every evening when the sun was low and earth and air were radiant he was seen crossing the meadow to his Gladys home beneath the mountain oft he passed alone but oftener still in company with ralph a youthful brother who had haply come some two months since from his far home in town to stray again among remembered scenes and with man's eyes behold the sacred spots where in his dreamy childhood he had stood and seen the visions of his future life flit by in sun and shadow but this eve it pleased paul isham to go forth alone to meet with gladys FOR ALL THROUGH THE DAY THE THOUGHT OF HER HAD CAUGHT A RAINBOW FORTH FROM EVERY CLOUD OF CARE, AND MUCH HE YEARNED FOR HER DEAR PRESENCE. OH, THE TOILS OF LIFE! HOW SMALL THEY SEEM WHEN LOVE'S RESISTLESS TIDE sweeps BRIGHTLY O'ER THEM! LIKE THE SCATTERED STONES WITHIN A MOUNTAIN STREAMLET, THEY BUT SERVE TO STRIKE THE HIDDEN MUSIC FROM ITS FLOW AND MAKE ITS sparkle VISIBLE. A COPSE FULL OF SOFT SHADOWS AND SUN-LIGHTED GLADES LAY IN HIS PATH here he was wont to pause and cull some woodland blossom from the mould to lay within her palm that it might speak such words as he in his heart reverence found halt in the utterance but to-night his thoughts sprang winged to his lips his very love seemed given for inspiration and he trod hastily onward feeling in his soul a yearning like the yearning of a wave that sees the shore stretch beautiful beyond it he found her pacing o'er the sunlit lawn lost in a dream that brought the fitful blood in tremor to her cheek and lent withal to her high bearing such a tender grace no moonbeam sleeping in a chancel's dusk amid the splendour of emblazoned ghouls could be more fair or sweetlier blend in one the light of heaven and the glow of earth gladys he said and smiling drew her hand closely in his my heart is full to-night Full of true love for you, dear, as mine eyes are full of your rare beauty. Scarce can I, in my great happiness and glad content, believe that I have known you but a year, who now are joy, love, hope, and heaven to me that once knew none of these. For I have had through all my years a lonesome life and dark, with overmuch of sorrow, and I stand just now where yonder hills stood at the dawn, twixt night and sunshine. In the future thee, but in the past a long array of griefs, crushed hopes, ambitions, lost, sweet friendship made, a mockery and a snare, a life of woe without a love to comfort. I've a fancy, a strange wild fancy, that we two were friends long long ago in an existence past and now but half remembered. In your face I found no strangeness when I first beheld you only the blossoming of some vague dream into sweet life and glad reality. I do remember how, in vain that day, I sought for that which had suggested you, and made your glance familiar, how my thoughts flew back in wavering flight along the years, e'en to the smile upon my mother's lips, when in her arms I lay, a little child, unconscious of my bliss, and felt my thoughts float on the music of her voice, until they stranded on the flowery shores of sleep. But though her loveliness was like a breath of sunset glory on a silver cloud, it was not yours. You lost your mother, Paul. Yes, Gladys, and with her the roseate hues which make the morn of childhood beautiful. Thereafter, life took sterner shades and thrilled but to one touch ambitions. I will be great was my watchword for the day. And when at eve I laid my head to rest, twas still I will be great and so i toiled struggled and anguished for a space of years along the rugged steeps which lead to fame feeling the need of love wax strong within as my ways thickened why in those hard days the least child's smile would stir me to the heart like far-off music and a gentle word uttered in merest welcome or farewell had power to soothe me like a breeze which brings the south upon its pinions marvel not that such slight things had power to move me Know that he who steps on stones is glad to feel the smallest spray of moss beneath his feet But Gladys I was pressing with the crowd and with the crowd I faltered Not for me to jostle bruise and bruising to the goal where on the rocky pinnacles of fame clustered the living garlands So that hope died also and I buried it and stood a while above its grave Then went on my way still without love or comfort ceasing there he gazed a moment on her half turned cheek and lowered lashes marveling at the tears within her eyes but finding her withal more lovely to behold than when the rose lived in perpetual summer on her cheek for beauty such as hers is like a breath of distant music stealing through the hush of fragrant gardens and like music draws its rarest charm from gentle melancholy but even a pearl will flush with sudden lights if but the sun fall on it so the cheek which but a moment since was pale as snow grew dazzling with its shifting play of flame even as he gazed upon it and the lips which had been very silent woke and said and was there not one then of all your friends whose frank affection could redeem the loss of those sad years though joy and hope were gone you had a brother paul True, Gladys, true, but we were bred in separate homes, and he has ever lived neath happier skies than I, and known less sorrow. Born for joy alone, he thrids the world as sunshine thrids a wood, and all men love him, as in weal or woe, they never yet have loved or cherished me. But, child, you weep. Ah, have I then with words moved you so deeply, Gladys? Know you not that such a joy as lives within me now, can— like the strings of the aeolian harp draw music from the roughest wind that blows from those past hours of sorrow weep no more or weep for joy alone alas she cried the eye that pierces straightly to the future can never weep for joy the future Gladys yes and a sad smile flickered through her tears like a faint rainbow from a summer shower which ere it arches gins to fade away yon sky blooms very rosily she said but look you where the shadowy palm of night steals up to pluck the roses hark she cried hear how the brooks below us in the woods twang on the stones like strings of silver bells they laugh and sport as if all time were theirs whereas already by their careless waves the hot-mouthed summer stoops her down to drink the draught that is their death Oh, she said, full many a vessel threads the gates of morn with spreading sails and gold upon its prow that ere the eve will bend beneath the storm. And we, how know we if our moments run to break on joy or sorrow? We can hope, but hope itself is born of doubt, my friend, always in bud, but never quite a flower. True, Gladys. But the trouble in your eyes hath borrowed darkness from a surer fear than this vague terror of an unknown morrow. Then trust me with it. Let me bear it for you. Have I not vowed within mine inmost soul to hold you much more precious than the world? Yes, as the very blood within my veins. And will you not then trust me? Trust you, she cried. Would unto God, she whispered, would to God all things came easy as my trust in you then speak i do constrain you by your love i do constrain you gladys silent yet nay then he said and smiling laid his hands with tender care on either troubled cheek i'll read your sorrows where i've read your joys even in your eyes beloved but she like one struck to the heart by some quick shame or grief shrank trembling back nor met his gaze with hers but bowed her head and prayed him to forbear Saying that on the morrow if he willed she would disclose him all her secret care But that for this one day she must crave patience But ah when morrow came and he returned to that same spot beneath the woodland trees It was to find not Gladys But a letter lying upon their simple rustic seat in which with many cries for his forgiveness She told him all her heart how for long weeks the truth had grown upon her as a cloud grows o'er the sun that not as he loved her could she love him that liking and respect were not what he desired nor what she had hoped alone to give him when she pledged hand unto hand and willing heart to heart and yet that these were all she truly had to give for so great love as he gave her and how this knowledge had o'ershadowed her filling her nights with anguish and her days with heavy shame and struggle till her life grew bitter to her and his words like swords cleft her and left deep wounds that would not heal and how in honour to his noble faith she could no more deceive him though her heart her woman's fearful trembling heart should break with anguish for his sorrow oh she wrote far livelier had i died in my first youth than lived to be a heavy grief to one so noble and so loving blame me not for i have wrestled with my heart as one wrestles with fate itself and all in vain it was a deadly blow a blow like that which swooping unawares from out the night dashes a man from some high starlit peak into a void of cold and hurrying waves twas not the loss alone in that wild hour of first resistance, anguish, and despair, he felt he could have borne her simple loss, so God had taken her. But loss of love, loss of belief in all the radiant past, of hope in years to come? Ah, who but those whose lives have felt the shock of utter wreck, can rightly speak of what that hour of doom was to this man of sorrow? or when later she with her sweet face worn by bitter tears her young form trembling and her hands outstretched came stealing through the forest to his side and kneeling at his feet entreated him to look on her with pity and not blame for she had never meant to do him wrong what tongue can tell the feelings of his heart as taking that bright head between his hands he looked upon her face and gently said indeed indeed i do not blame you gladys god knows i love you with too deep a love to seek to rob you for my selfish ends of that dear right which gives to woman's vow its heart significance nor would i seek by any plea of loss and hope or love to make your loss the greater but dear child there yet is left to manhood one true plea the plea of your own happiness for child i know that i can make you happy there is that hid in this breast which needs must call from yours some echo in the years that are to come and gladys gladys though you know it not no other man can give what i have given nor were it well he should it is your youth which has been speaking youth has needs i know and headlong yearnings like the mountain streams that rush adown the nearest path they find to meet the sounding river but o oh child in womanhood the heart is like the sea deep deep and self-contained but yearning still through all its mighty billows for a shore to break in strength upon remember this and by the stately womanhood i see budding within the gentle girl i love pause ere it be too late and with the gleam of something like a smile upon his lips he held his hand out whispering in her ear if be you cannot answer me for tears but lay your hand, though e'er so light, on mine, and I shall understand. But she, as though made frantic by her helplessness and grief, struck her two palms together as in prayer, and stood there murmuring with white lips, O Christ, help me! Thou who renounced my will and life, help me this hour. Then unto him there came an awful change, and from her side he turned away and hunted slowly for the sun, like one whom God has blinded child said he you have not told me all no no she cried i have not told you all and bowing down as though she fain had knelt before his face she whispered of another love than his which had though all unconscious caught her heart within its subtle radiance oh she said i meant to be most true but when he came and when he spake and looked on me and smiled I know not how, but all my life seemed changed. And yet he came, and I, for very shame, could not forbid his coming. How could I, since you were blind, and he had said no word, save as friends speak or brothers? Bear with me. I am most weak, but for your sake will strive, yes, and will conquer. So you send him hence, where we may meet him never. Send him hence? I send him hence? As friends speak or as brothers? you tremble so I cannot understand as brothers Gladys brothers and she saw a stony pallor steal across his face and felt his hand fall heavy on his breast as he had had a blow to dread for words ah my false heart what hast thou done she moaned and drawing nearer touched his sleeve and strove to look upon his face and called him Paul dear Paul and laid her head against his arm sobbing i am to be your wife O oh, paul hear me your wife but he in no wise moved answered her not save with the single word that fell as hopes fall or as if all life went with it and that word was ralph she heard and thrilled through all her being like a harp touched in the passing while across her lip a light passed and upon her tearful cheek rested as though the very name had power to rouse her beauty as a tremulous wind opens unto its depths a wildwood flower but he who bent above her shivered once through all his frame and glancing down unloosed his hands from off his arm and turned away blindly toward the shadows then once more did gladys in an ecstasy of pain entreat him for a word a look a sign of his forgiveness striving hard to break the spell which bound him holding out her hands and telling o'er her simple tale again with many words of sorrow and remorse and hard self-accusation till at last he turned and looked upon her with a sigh and said poor child and still as in a dream once more poor child and so passed by and moved heavily away into the shadowy dusk and lo as thus he went far in the west the last faint crimson died while chill and keen a wind came winging through the gates of night and o'er the valley blew until the trees bowed down their heads and all was dark and drear where but an hour ago was bloom and joy sunshine and color and the song of birds it was the end or ere three days had passed this letter breathing love's renunciation was placed in gladys's hand Dear child, you will forgive me that I do not come to say farewell, since farewell must be said. You will forgive me, Gladys. It is meet that I should go. I love you, dear, too much to wed you. T'were not well, not well indeed, that I, who feel the pressure of my years heavily at times, should mate with one so young the violets are blowing in her life. Then take this boon from me and hold it choice, as I have held it while I called it mine. Take back yourself, dear not in grief but peace for i am blessed only in your joy nor fear to yield your maiden troth again for he is very noble and will hold you precious else i had not left you gladys and he will make you happier far than i as he is happier natured trust in him and his glad spirit like a golden bell will answer to the lightest touch of thine filling your home with melody and now no less i bless you than i write this day against my name the tender title brother but gladys in whose gentle bosom glowed the light of purest purpose felt her soul recoil before this prospect of delight built on another's woe what go my ways girded with happiness and gay with hope while he whose hand hath clung to mine in troth walks in the shadow cast by my delight an exile from his home no, no, oh no, if hearts are weak, souls should at least be strong. I cannot as true woman do this thing. And though with added thought and certain proof that he had gone to come again no more, rose many shy sweet pictures of the bliss which might be hers would she but turn to meet the passion glowing in young isham's eyes. She gave it as her final verdict out that while his brother lived, she ne'er should give her hand unto another troth at least if not her heart being her own to grant or to withhold as faith and duty prompted nor though she was of gentlest mind and heart could she be moved from this by any plea wisdom or love could urge but firm and true kept to her faith though day by day her cheek paled and the glance so proudly radiant once grew also dim that those who held her dear shrank as they looked upon her wan young face crying within their hearts the child will die and they were right had there not come a change fair gladys would have died Twas not that love had built so firm a seat within her spirit that disappointment threatened all with ruin but that the seeds of wild remorse were there a grievous sense of wrong to those two hearts so firm and generous in their deep devotion but even as life seemed bending neath its load there came to benton tidings of the wreck with loss of all on board of the good ship in which paul isham voyaged to the east and keen as was the pang of grief his death brought to her faithful soul the strain that bore so hard upon her tender soul was eased and like a flower that shakes the first light snow from its transparent leaves she thrilled anew to life and to a beauty more replete for the faint hint of sorrow in its joy but though young ralph came wooing with the spring fair gladys would not listen till the year of widowhood and mourning was fulfilled for i was his betrothed she whispered low and being such should feel my shame complete if i should wind a wreath around my brow ere a year's stars could circle o'er his grave but when the early fall had surely brought all spring hopes to fulfillment, these were wed, and in the glow of their perfected love found happiness at last and full content beyond their fondest dreaming. Yet withal there was a wave of sorrow in the joy of Gladys's breast. At least, a gentle wave that yet made saddest music when it throbbed across the hush of midnight or the swell of careless mirth in which she took no part for now it was she gan to dream strange dreams of him whom they deemed perished but whom she saw ever moving free amongst his kind a living breathing man so plain indeed she saw this noble figure come and go amid the lighter fancies of her sleep she scarce could tell or that were life or this first waking with the sun upon her cheek and he no longer near and still so oft this single dream returned she seemed to live a double life beneath the skies and give one half to him she loved and one to him who loving her had perished for her sake yet not as though she met him face to face she saw him dreaming but as one who moved before her in a life which was not hers and yet was life with earnest hopes and cares and duties manifold and now as one who bends above the couches of the sick she saw him from afar a steady light among a whirl of shadows now as one who striveth with a heaving threatening crowd that beat about him restlessly and wild while he stands firm a tower of stately strength amid a sea of waves and now again alone and musing o'er an empty hearth with just a tress of gold within his hand she knows ah who so well but whether thus or whether moving in the hurrying crowd of street or church or mart forever calm forever with that smile upon his lips which spake of sorrow past and peace regained so deep this smile so deep the faithful gaze that sometimes turned upon her from afar demanding naught but blessing that she woke oft times in tears to find her arms stretched out across her husband to the silent stars and waking shudders that a dream should be more vital true than life and though at first she fain had told her husband all her heart and all her grief and yearning yet as time rolled slowly by and brought her no relief she learned to hush her secret in her breast and ponder it in silence when the stars clumb slowly past the turrets of the house and lingered in the swaying trees beneath like troops of steady watchers thus the years passed slowly by but not until there lay a second blooming infant on her knee did she dare whisper to her soul and say her friend paul isham lived but even then she spake not seeing men so rarely trust to women's intuitions but would sit off times and muse her chin within her palm like one who looks on visions from afar no other eye can see and now there came a certain day when gladys felt her doubts grow to a sure belief within her breast no afterthought might shake she had been sitting beside an open casement where the vines slowly creeping from below but half concealed the rounded beauty of her cradling arms and tender mother's smile across the hush of the calm twilight she could hear the voice of little paul as o'er the lawn beneath he fluttered half in view when suddenly there came a silence so assured and deep she felt as though a sudden gate had oped deep in her soul through which a bursting light swift pouring checked the breath upon her lips in sacred wonder rising swiftly up she laid the sleeping infant from her arms and stood in all her loveliness revealed the light of feeling shimmering on her face like summer starlight on a trembling wave and lo as thus she stood there came a sound a whispered sigh a sudden stifled moan that even as she listened passed away but when a little later she beheld a muffled form emerge from out the trees and vanish in the shadows of the lawn she felt a sudden fever smite her soul and bounding forward let one single cry leap towards it through the vines then tottering sank all helpless with her hands across the sill but with her face still turned the way he went as if her look alone might serve in power to bring him back again and thus it was her young son found her when he came in haste to tell her of a stranger he had met but now among the trees so bowed he cried i scarce could see his face and yet so strong he took me in his arms and kissed me mother as i have seen you kiss the little cross that was the gift of my dear uncle paul and she who listened bent her head once more and through the sacred tremor of her tears cried softly yes my son strong strong indeed the earth holds no such other then in haste uprising caused an instant hurried search for one a stranger passed but now from view across the twilight grounds but though they sought from early evening till the stars were bright they found him not and when the morrow came twas told her how the stranger seen last eve had passed away at midnight from the town to come again no more and pondering this she felt the shadows lift from off the past and show her as in some strange magic glass the story of the years and how his heart had loved her so he rather chose the ways of lonely exile than to cry as false the dire report which like an open gate had wooed her feet into the paths of joy she bowed her head and vowed with God's high aid to make her life a blessing and a prayer that in the pure and freer world to come she might stand unrebuked by conscious wrong betwixt the noble twain whose love had been the grief and solace of her earthly years and looking up in either shining face see benediction there and though from this her dreams forsook her to return no more there used to steal at times across her ear a sound a whisper like a wave that broke far on a lonely shore grief not for me for i am blessed only in your joy so for my sake be happy